Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing with Fishes podcast, episode 182, first of the new year. Super excited to be back, uh, apologize for the delays and having most of December off. Uh, we're also here with Marty. Hello, how's it going everybody? Again, I apologize, um, I had originally planned to only be off for a week or two when I had moved over here to Africa and then my mother died middle of that so I had to kind of handle that whole uh you know family thing so finally back here in Africa finally getting settled down I'll be moved into my more permanent place here in about two weeks and then we'll be uh back on a normal schedule but in the meantime we're going to try and stick in uh, a couple of random shows here and there and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens um what's new with you Marty I saw you do a lot of construction and a lot of different stuff on your uh on your uh, grow there um what's new with you uh, yeah, so I, um, I'm, I'm in the bedroom right now, which is currently under construction, but got a cloner set up, got a little veg system set up, the same one that used to be, uh, be in the garage over there, just set it up again. So it's just, uh, I think it's a 150-gallon aquarium, and then just a media bed that sits on top of the porch. You guys can, if you want to see what that looks like, you can... Uh, look up any of my grows on AP Med's YouTube channel. They're all over there. Um, so yeah, I put up this grognet, I think since the last, I don't remember everything I've done since the last time we talked, but um, so the, the scrognets are up. Um, so really just getting everything established and getting ready to switch to flower still. So um, I've got a couple light holes I got to patch up. And, Do you want to uh, uh, so I'll be touch on the... the last wall with uh, with hand of paper? You want to touch on the speed of growth that you got because your plants really rocketed. Yeah, you know some of them. You know, right now I I don't have the consistency that I want. Like some of them are really outgrowing other ones because I just got plants from someone else and transplanted them. I didn't have what I. <clears throat> When I moved, I didn't I didn't bring any plants with me or keep any of them alive or do any of that. Everything was pretty well shut down during the move. So I got plants from someone else. And whenever you do that, you transplant them and you do all that. You don't get quite the consistency as when you're you're cloning yourself in your own system. So I've got about three plants now that are behind. Three plants that are like way ahead, and uh, everybody else kind of in the middle. But um, yeah, on the so. If you guys are in the aquaponic cannabis growers group or follow me um, on Instagram at AP Meds, then you'll see there's uh, one of the ones that's uh, what is it, pineapple by banana frost. It, it was the first one I put in and it got established really quickly and, um, you know, was a really healthy plant when it went in. So it kind of the, the perfect storm and it's just exploding with growth. It was also revenged a little bit. Um, and, and that clone cut has kept some of those monster crop uh, characteristics, even even though this particular cut wasn't, or this particular generation wasn't 
monster craft a lot it still like throws a lot more nodes than other ones at least that's what i've heard from the guy that i got them from so <clears throat> he's a pretty regular guy i've known him for a while so um i i assume that has something to do with it but it's just i mean i haven't measured there or anything but i would say you know easily four inches or so today just uh throwing gangbusters and taking cuts i'm taking probably like it's like especially the stuff off the bottom and under the net that i i don't worry about anyway i'm probably taking about i would say 10 clones every three or four days just because um they just keep popping up under there and there's you know there's no room in the canopy left it's all just thick where you're almost to the point where you're training the plant to itself <laughs> in, in some situations and so um just taking some cuts out to, to thin it up uh, a little bit. Um, it should probably be in flower already. That's that's what it comes down to. But again, because I don't have that consistency, some of the plants that are behind, I want to give them a little bit more time. So I'm thinning out some of the bigger ones. But uh, definitely um, seeing some great growth, which you know, we're always accustomed to in, in aquaponics and uh, especially the ceramic metal halide lights. I feel like they're their white spectrum and veg, uh, or full spectrum, I guess, um, is the technical term. Uh, really does a great job in, in veg, particularly. I prefer LED for flowering, but I don't have that deep of pockets right now, so we'll, we'll get there eventually. I do want to do a mix, though. I think eventually I'll replace half of my lights with LED and, and keep some of the ceramic metal halide in there. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. By then, I might need to move a bunch of lights into my light bed. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I'm doing. I still have um, some plants that I'm treating, trying to uh, save the genetics of. So I got those growing out enough now to where I've taken some cuts off of them. And then I can get rid of these plants that uh, are riddled with pests. So some of you guys who are here for the uh, um, commercial cannabis class that we did, uh, we had some plans here to look at so we could check out some pests. Um, and still have some of those genetics hanging around. There's probably one, two, three, four, five, six or so left that still need to be, to be grown out. And so it's an, for these plants, it was an interesting uh, combination of bugs because when they got here, they had a combination of root aphids and a pretty heavy infestation of spider mites. And so those two in combination can make it difficult to even grow a plant out to be able to clone it because the root aphids will be attacking that those uh, any root zone and new growth that comes out <clears throat> and really just slowing down the growth of the plant. Uh, and that's really what you rely on in order to grow a plant out in order to take cuts off of it and clean those cuts up and save the genetics off of it. So definitely need to <clears throat> continue treating the spider mites and uh, killing off the root aphids at the same time. So got some Bosania uh, bavaria, is that you say? I don't remember. What is it, Steve? I gotta look again. Bassania, Bavaria, or Bavaria, Bassania. I always forget which one's first. 
where to go. Anyway, so the, the one that I could find here locally was the Panagard. So that's what this stuff is right here. Comes with this big long fold out. So yeah, Uveria Bassania. There we go. Anyway, so I went through it and uh, treated all of them with that, with a root drench and uh, and a spray, and have just been knocking them down with like Dr. Signs and stuff like that. So now I have now I have the bedroom set up, which is great because then I can keep all that isolated from the flower room and not really have to. Uh, <clears throat> um, crowd plants out while I'm working on stuff. That's always difficult. I think I, I probably should have waited a little bit longer to get plants because I needed to really finish construction. So I'm not like bouncing back and forth uh, between like moving plants around so I can work on stuff over here and then I got to move them back over there. And then um, it just kind of becomes a, a shuffle game, kind of like a, you know, those little puzzles you get where you can, you know, there's only one square missing and you've got to slide everything around in order to get everything where you want it to go. That's, that's kind of how it's, how it's been around here. But uh, it's really going good. The, I'm really happy to have two separate rooms now and systems set up on both sides and the cloner in and uh, lights up, you know, so it's definitely, definitely been a ride so far, but uh, everything is going pretty good. And uh, yeah, fun stuff. What's up in Africa, dude? Haven't talked to you since you've been over there. How many hours total did you spend on the plane? I know you figured it oh, out. Oh yeah, so so I had flight delays coming back over here, so I ended up with forty-hour journey or forty-two-hour journey to get back here after my mom's funeral. So for the month of December, I was either in an airport or on a plane for like hundred and twelve hours. Something oh, retarded between between going to the Dragonfly, uh, which was incredible. I haven't even had a chance to talk about it. The Dragonfly Earth Medicine uh, uh, Pure Hive Collective, which was really inspiring and really rejuvenating uh, out in uh, Humboldt. And then um, flying out here and then flying back to the funeral and then flying back here again. Really, I've just been through every every airport you can think of here. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just been crazy. But uh, Zimbabwe is a lot of fun, just trying to get everything sorted, um, getting all the paperwork for residency sorted, getting all the, the seeds legally transported here with their phytosanitary certificates and all that whole long list of issues that come along with trying to export cannabis seeds from North America to Southern Africa, which is a whole circus in and of itself. Um, the Dragonfly Earth Medicine uh, Hive uh, Symposium was really amazing. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, lots of really cool people there. Ethan Russo was there. Frenchie was there. Uh, Dragonfly, uh, numerous, numerous impure farmers. Really learned a lot. Was able to take in a lot of amazing information. Um, and super grateful to Josh and Kelly for really helping organize and put, you know, put to work a lot of the people that really have the knowledge to change things and um, I can't think of anybody that motivates people better than those two. Uh, they're kind of the king and queen of motivation, especially in the organic cannabis side. And, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't be where we are without them. And I'm super grateful to, to be part of that and uh, could not be more happy to, to have gone out there and, uh, and then dealt with uh, stuff with my mom and then uh, finally came back here and um, just, just grinding. I uh, went out to the farm, just kind of giving, trying to figure out, 
you know, last minute irrigation stuff, last minute well, well and pump stuff. Um, and then working on IMO collection, trying to get a, a bunch of mycorrhizal fungi. It was much easier to find even in a dry arid climate than I ever would have thought, especially now that I know where to look. It was really cool to walk around and with some of the growers there and be like, hey, you need to look underneath the bark of these roots here or with these fallen trees or wherever. And as soon as we found a bunch of examples, they, they kind of clicked all of a sudden. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, they have like a whole bushel full of, of mycorrhizal fungi bark and everything else. And it was super, super great. So just trying to bring them up to speed with a lot of the methodologies that we have and, and the wonderful things that I've had the, the luck and um, um, been blessed enough to learn from all the, the soil community and everything else to get the large field production going. And then just trying to work out logistics for getting the aquaponics equipment going. We're going to have a couple of aquaponic greenhouses here uh, on the upper flat. And then we'll have a bunch of, uh, you know, field acreage production for both uh, isolate production and seed production out here. Um, we have 750 acres to work with and three wells. So um, we can kind of do whatever we do. Um, it's an old tobacco farm. So we have um, big giant drying barns because the cannabis or the tobacco guys used to dry their um, the tobacco there. And, uh, you know, we have all that infrastructure and everything built in, which is really nice. You know, a lot of the, ir the irrigation main lines are there. Everything just kind of needs to be upgraded or, you know, brought up to speed or repaired. Um, you know, one of the, one of those three things. Um, but a lot of the main things to have is, is really in place already. So it's not a, not a big deal. Um, you know, we'll have everything uh, dragged out so that we can plant here pretty quick. And then our seeds should get here end of next week or the week after, depending on, uh, on how long it takes for transit. And uh, we'll be off to the races. Uh, big shout out to Joshua Steensland and all the help he's been on this project. Um, definitely hooked us up in, in numerous different ways to help make this project possible. So it's been a lot of fun. And then just trying to learn what's going on here in, in, um, in Zimbabwe. I've had everything from um, stuff that looks like old Mexican swag to stuff that was just basically ground up leaves to uh, some of the best sativa that I've had in quite a long time. So it's been quite, quite a roll of the dice when it comes to local stuff. You know, really know what you're going to get until you actually see it. <laughs> uh, everyone's definition of good stuff is, is quite varied. What's your growing season like over there? We don't really have one. <laughs> we can grow year round. Uh, right now it's the summer, um, but we're about as far away That's from the equator. Yeah, so we're about we're about equal to Jamaica in terms of distance from the equator. So we, you know, we have uh, pretty much can grow year round. Um, we do have a. a it will get cooler. You know, they they can get frost um, for two or three hours in the dead of winter on the coldest of nights, but generally it doesn't get down that cold. Um, especially where we are out in the Midlands. Um, it's not, you know, it's a little bit more favorable, a little bit warmer. Um, we don't really get the high highs and the low lows, uh, kind of, you know, right where we are kind of is that, that sweet spot. So it's one of the reasons why we chose the farm where we did. And we have two very distinct soil types at the farm. We have a nice black, rich soil full of organic material. And we have a more red, uh, more uh, clay and iron rich soil. So that needs to be amended a little bit more. Um, we're going to amend that with some uh, both uh, green manure and then mammalian manure. We have a whole, whole giant farm right next door to us that does a whole bunch of cattle and goats and um, they pen them up at night so we can kind of raid their, raid their pens kind of at will for, 
um, for, for very little uh, and, and have quite right. a, almost an unlimited supply of, of manure there uh, that's locally sourced. That's literally one property over. So you just drive the truck over and, and shovel it in. So it works out really good for us. And we're also able to help the locals out quite a bit. You know, we're going to provide jobs that are going to pay better than anything they would have had before in that area, certainly. So I'm super stoked on that. So we, we bounce between around um, 10, 10 hours and 45 minutes and uh, 14 and a half hours, depending on the time of year uh, or something like that, 14 and 10. Um, so we have about a two hour variance um, at most off of, of 1212, uh, never more or less, much less than that. Uh, actually, it's not even two hours, about an hour and a half, I think, hour and 40 minutes, something like that, a, a variance from 1212. So got a totally different way of thinking your plants don't get quite as big but um and you also look for plants you know there's definitely some some cultivars that aren't auto flower but certainly have kind of a minimum veg time um i know i've grown quite a few that were like that and uh you know they kind of are going to yeah. veg for the next period of time yeah. before they're going to flower no matter what go ahead remember we talked to mr green about that a little bit because he he was talking you know flowers from seed a lot of times because he only has one room and uh and that some strains will will have that a lot longer minimum veg time they will they won't go into flower right away from seed now from clone obviously you you don't really have uh that same kind of timing but uh from from seed as long as you do that already know and i imagine you're probably going to test the number of Right. Kind of see which oh yeah, we're yeah. So we have a couple of kind of bread and butter stuff that we're gonna know we're gonna just be able to flip the seed on, or we have a contract where we're just being hired to bulk out seed under contract, and then kick it back. Um, we have a couple of different things like that, and then we're also doing some isolate production, just because of the export laws right now. You're you're pretty much stuck doing either isolates or uh, seed production at the moment, so. It really limits us on what we can do, but uh, we are shotgun blasting because we have an R&D license and a medical license, kind of shotgun blasting a whole bunch of different seeds that we can do um, just to see what, you know, what is the soil optimized to do in that particular area? We have a little bit higher manganese. So THC and THCV is going to express a little bit better because of that. And because we're, you know, with a little bit warmer climate, THC is also going to be you know, expressed a little bit better. It's just, that's a little bit harder market to kind of move over borders right now. So uh, we're trying to steer away from THC specific stuff, although it, uh, we do have some uh, some some other things for that in the future. Hey, we got Joshua Steensland joining us. How's it going, Josh? It's going good, man. How you doing? Thanks for uh, inviting you me. Doing? Hell yeah! What's new with you, buddy? Huh. You just finished up a big harvest. Yeah, yeah, we just finished it up. We're actually starting to line up our sales. Um, we uh, we. Did about 600,000 hemp plants this last season, um, spread out over just a little over 100 acres. So, um, and the re it's a little more densely packed than we would like to have seen, but we had all the plants available and we didn't, uh, the farm we were partnering with didn't have the acreage prepped enough. So we just kind of just double planted where we could and didn't get too hung up on it. And it ended up working, uh, working out really well for us. And, we're sitting on several hundred thousand pounds of material right now. And um, it's really nice quality compared to what we're seeing um, with other folks coming to market. So we're, we're feeling really blessed and good and 
Um, it's a heck of a time to be in the cannabis business. Now you're one of the you're one of the few organic certified hemp producers out there. Uh, do you want to tell us more about that and how hard that was to, to try and uh, achieve? Yeah, no, um, it's definitely a lot of hoops. Uh, we were fortunate enough to partner with a farm that had already had certified organic acreage. They were uh, they were doing blueberries. We actually actually interplanted with the blueberries this year, which a lot of people were like, "Oh, the acidic soil." Um, but uh, you know, we we did a lot of research and we talked with the with the farmer who farms the blueberries, and and you know, we just kind of figured that the root ball of the blueberries is really small. And so the amount of soil that's being treated to, to, for the acidic nature of that plant is relatively minimal. And so we were planted in between those rows and we did our pH testing of the, of the rows in between the blueberries, it was perfect. So um, we just went ahead and went with it and it worked out really well. We were really happy with it. We were able to pick up an additional 35 acres of USDA certified land by interplanting. Um, and so, and it happens to work really well. They, they harvest, they finish their harvest the first week of July for the blueberries. So it, it left it right perfect for us to just drop stuff in um, after they were done harvesting. So there's really no disturbance or anything. And it really worked out quite well. We were really happy with it. But everything else, the farm, they have all their ducks in a row the farm manager works really closely with the uh, usda inspectors we actually hired a guy who was a former inspector for the washington state department of agriculture and he's also a brilliant agronomist he's uh he's going to be coming with us to help on on the africa projects as well um a really really great guy and, and i know i talked to you privately about this but i would kind of like to publicly thank you for inviting uh us in and on this project. We're really excited. Um, for those that don't know, I, I par, uh, me and my really good best friend, we started a company called Grow to Give, and we're we're basically just trying to do hemp anywhere and everywhere we can. And and what we're doing with farmers locally is we're trying to um, just convince farmers in in conventional agriculture or regular agriculture to maybe devote 25% of their acreage to hemp and see what it can do for them. Because I think people can, farmers can start to run debt-free farms if they just incorporate a little bit of their acreage to hemp. And so um, we're, we're picking up a lot of traction, uh, but people seeing our success this year locally. And uh, we, we just picked up a, a it's 500, but we're gonna to try to make it a thousand. So we're doing at least a, a 500 acres here in Washington next year. Um, working, partnering with a huge farm, Johnson Ag, and um, they do all certified organic as well. So I think the key is, is not having to reinvent the wheel and, and literally just like partnering with folks who um, know the, uh, the, all the hoops to jump through and know the gap practices and the standards and all that. And that way we're not, you know, we, we don't walk into it like, you know, a baby deer in the headlights. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, I had the pleasure of going out and touring your uh, wonderful grow out there and uh, seeing the interspace blueberries and seeing uh, a whole bunch of different things. You did a whole bunch of awesome experimentation on different irrigation methods and different mm -hmm. plant spacing and 
all kinds of different variables that kind of people don't really think about, but you did it at scale in side by sides. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk about any of that or if you don't, which is fine too. Uh, but I, I really learned a lot from going out and visiting it, seeing that. And, uh, you know, maybe you want to touch on a little bit, you know, what worked, what didn't, or, or if you want to keep that to yourself, that's fine too. But, uh, um, you know, maybe just talk about some of the everything yeah, you did no. try. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think some of it I'm, I'm, I've kind of have free reign to discuss, but some of it we're getting into NDA territory, um, which is really sure, unfortunate. Sure. And I've had such a, it's, it's been such a conflict for me because over the years I've been so free with my information that, that, that there's this expectation, you know, of, of open sharing. But now when you get to a certain level and you've got partners and people, you know, intellectual property, you get into this weird realm where you've got to kind of protect what you've got. And so um, I can discuss some of it. We did, we did do some, um, we did do some experimentation with watering under pivot, which for those of you that don't know, it's those big, it's those big circle arm things that go over the top of a, of a conventional crop that waters from above. And, and I know the first thing everybody's going to say is like, Oh my God, the mold and mildew. And it's the, and that's what we, we were concerned about that too. We actually were going to use the pivot for the veg cycle. And then once we, once flower was initiated, then we were going to uh, switch and turn it into a drip style irrigation system. Um, but we just continued to go with the pivot and it happened to work in our favor. We didn't have any mold, any mildew, any botrytis. And I think that really speaks to the strength of your cultivation practices. So we, we, front loaded everything we basically treated it like a living soil situation where we put all the nutrients available at the beginning and then just let the plant pick and choose what it needed throughout the season and we did great we did hands down better than anybody around us um, all of our 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 cultivating cultivation buddies down in southern oregon they had a hell of a time last year and we just kind of breezed through it and uh, um you know i think i, love that I just... think there's I'd love to just support what you're saying on that. You know, if you have your healthy soil with your healthy microbes in the beginning, that that's the single best way to mitigate those fungal infections. If you have microbes that are in there and, and they're actively eating that fusarium, that botrytis, that septoria, you're not going to have these problems. You, you And we, we even talked about this when I was out there, you know, where you see those problems in people that replant corn, soybean, or wheat fields that had done zero additional microbial inoculation it just, they don't, they end up with these huge, massive failures or, or fungal infection across two thirds of the field or half the field. I, I don't know if I saw a single grow in Oklahoma that was outdoor, didn't have at least a few plants that had Fusarium or septoria, you know, and it was just because they, they didn't pay attention to the soil yet. You have to treat that soil ahead of time. Yeah, so true, man. Absolutely. Did you have uh, anything else maybe you learned that you're allowed to share, uh, not necessarily on your particular grow, but maybe just things you picked up over the year of 2019 that uh, really stuck out on you that you're, you're wanting to share? Sure. No, I think, I think just the kind of the struggles of scaling, you know, um, realizing how much energy and time it takes to cultivate a hundred acres, you know, um, and, and, and not, maybe not necessarily once the plants are in, but getting them in, and then getting them out was the biggest eye opener for us, the, the, the harvest. I mean, 
it was semi-load after semi-load after semi-load. I mean, probably 900 semi-loads it took us to get everything out. And when we, um, there, there would come a time when we thought we were doing really good. We had a lot of, a lot of headway down. And then we started, we headed back out to the farm and we drove, we're driving down the hill and looking down at the circle where we were harvesting and just this little sliver had been harvested. And I was just, there were a couple moments this harvest season where I was like, are we going to be able to finish this? Like, are we going to be able to get all this material in? It was crazy. So we really, I learned a lot of lessons about how to manage uh, uh, manage large crews of like day laborers and, and working with uh, the contractors that provide those laborers. Um, you know, these guys get paid really, really well and they work really freaking hard. And um, it was just really humbling to see 200 people. We had 200 people helping us with harvest and all of them were, were migrant labor that worked with a highly reputable company, um, all taken care of a really high wage. And, um, and they were super happy and thrilled to be working in the cannabis space, you know? So there was this kind of this buzz around it, you know, they weren't out there working in the grapes or anything like they were working with cannabis and a lot of them were like man this does not look like hemp you know they were certain it was weed you know but uh so that those were the biggest ones for me was managing acreage at scale and then and then managing large the logistics of managing such a large workforce you know uh was uh, trying to say the least yeah yeah, it's always funny to see people that have never seen a field of weed and they're just like, they don't, they, they don't even know what to do with themselves. Yeah, they're like, boss, <laughs> I don't think this is, uh, I don't think this is hemp, boss. <laughs> yeah, boss. Yeah, trust me. I go, okay. <laughs> they were certain it was, it was high THC. So are you doing any talks or anything else soon? Uh, I think you're doing some stuff coming up. Nope, no, I've I've actually been I've I laid off of social media for this summer so I could focus on the hemp project and we could focus on grow to give. Um and um you know we've got this this thing coming online with Africa. We're hoping to be coming down there with you next month uh and, and spending a little time. And then we've also got a South American project going on, and then we've got this 500 acre deal. So I've been I've been really um uh unavailable of sorts i've i haven't haven't made myself available to the cannabis community at large just in general because i've just been so i've been so dialed in to what we've got going on so i haven't i was super bummed that i couldn't make it to the hive conference um i josh and kelly extended the invitation and i had every intention on going i just harvest took twice as long as we expected and then we had inventory and then we had just security we've got a lot of money tied up in the warehouse in in hemp right now and so um we're we're not feeling too comfortable leaving <laughs> until we get we get that product out of the warehouse and and convert it into cash and, and so um you know, I, I think right now my main focus is just making sure that I'm present and focused on these deals. I am speaking, uh, I'm getting together with Tara, I think tomorrow night and Josh and Kelly, and we're going to talk about some of the most recent information that I've been made aware of in regards to feminized seed 
and um, how healthy it is and, and what the potential pitfalls of that might be. So uh, folks might want to tune in for that. Um, that's the most recent kind of engagement that I've got going on. Tomorrow night, I think it's six with Tara. Um, but after yeah, that, that uh, I'll be back to the grind. I know some of that stuff was supposed to come out in December. Is that still kind of trickling out or is that out there in the open now? Um, I've got I've got to reach out to Benjamin, my contact at uh, the University of Florida, who's who's the guy who's kind of really, um, really turned open my eyes to this whole thing. And I'm, I'm going to try to get him to uh, send me as much of the information that he has, white paper wise and all that. And and um, maybe even like some bullet points uh, that would be the best way to kind of address his main concerns um, about feminized, the feminized seed, the feminization process. Um, how the body interacts with with it once you've consumed anything that was feminized. Um, so, uh, you know, until I get, until I get his okay or I get that little packet from him, which he's a super super busy guy. Uh, we're supposed to be meeting up with him sometime in the next couple weeks, and so I, you know, I don't think I'll have that available by tomorrow. By tomorrow, but I'm hoping within the next 30 days I'll be able to do a post and maybe uh, schedule a talk and then have a little packet available that I could give to Josh and Kelly, and then we can start disseminating it uh, amongst the relevant folks who are going to actually read it and, 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 and try to absorb some of that material. That, so definitely let me know. Cause I'd love to help uh, get the word out uh, without spilling the beans. Uh, I, there's some, some big information coming down the pipeline about feminization and uh, you guys are going to want to know about it. Uh, uh, and we'll make sure that we cover it when, when the time is right. Cool, cool. What else is new with you? What are you looking forward to in the next year? I know you got some some really cool stuff going on in South America. Do you want to uh, mention any of yeah, that? Or? Yeah. Um, well, the South America thing, we we're we're working directly with the government of Suriname. Um, they're opening up for hemp and medical cannabis. And without this is one of those where I'm I'm kind of in a strict NDA because there's some there's some really big players involved here. But I can say it's going to involve it's going to involve a beverage of some kind. And um, and then we're also doing hemp there. So like a THC beverage and and then uh, and with a big, large distributor. So I probably said too much already, but I'm excited about that. That's something that um, we feel if it goes right, uh, it could be. Uh, it could help push like a kind of a global thing happening because of because of our contacts there and who's who's getting involved. Um, some really like juggernaut style distributed distribution network at play here, um, and we're really hoping that uh, that it works out. But as as you as you're intimately aware of being there in Zimbabwe, um, overseas stuff, it. it it's hoops after hoops and, and zigzags after zigzags. So we're, and we're always, you know, you don't have the same luxuries you do when doing business in the United States, whereas you have laws that you can fall back on and protections, you know, to a certain degree. Whereas when you go to someone else's house, you kind of play by their rules. And so we've, we've learned a couple hard lessons in South America, but we're not letting it um we're not letting it stop us we're we're kind of we're we're letting it steal our resolve and we're going to move forward on the project and um so 
South America is exciting. I'm really excited about the Zimbabwe thing. I think I think there's a, a lot of opportunity to do really good things there. And that's what we're most interested in Grow to Give is we're most interested in in setting up in places where we can have the most positive effect. You know, um, there's a million people cultivating hemp. You know, there's all, a million acres being cultivated are going to be million acres being cultivated here in the states i mean it's going to be ridiculous but and so there's we're just a drop in the bucket here but if we can help farmers in other places where it's going to have a more profound effect that's where we're the most interested because uh it's not about the money well you know you, you do 50 acres properly you're going to have plenty of money so it's not about that it's it's about it's about taking the capital that we're that we're going to make on these projects stateside and then using that using that to to put that money in other places where we can have we could do the most good and i think zimbabwe is one of those places south america is certainly uh, suriname is certainly one of those places and um you know i think for 2020 that's our vision pushing pushing out you know so i'd like to have a handful of projects about five projects that that we can you know i think that we can manage with our with our team and and we can just just focus on those five and, and do the most good we can absolutely yeah that was one of the big th reasons why i got involved with this africa project was hey we we can actually generate food off of our greenhouses we can teach them cool. agricultural practices that they've never been exposed of i know just just this week i showed them how to collect both imo and and how to find mycorrhizal fungi just in the the little tiny scrub patch of forest that was between us and the next door neighbors and they had no idea that was even there these guys have lived there their whole lives and had no idea about mycorrhizal fungi but i was able to show them in five minutes worth of poking around you know and it was just so cool to kind of show some of the amazing things that we've had the, the the blessings of of learning about through the different channels that we have access to and and, and spreading that to people that really actually need this to, to help with water, you know, water use for, um, and reducing water use in fields and, and all these different methodologies that, that can help them, especially in drought areas in Africa. I mean, crap, I, if you saw the maize here, the, the maize should be at least waist high right now. And most of it's not even knee high um, because wow. they haven't had any rain. Right. You know, and, and most of these guys don't have irrigation. They're just, they plant their seeds and hope for the best. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It's really going to change a lot. So I think we're going to try and get a, a regular scheduled, um, you know, uh, education um, uh, class going on Sundays or something like Sunday afternoons, where we teach maybe yeah. a two or three hour course on on how just stuff that they can we can help whatever problems they're having. Not not preaching to them on on you know philosophical bullshit on on botany. Just what shit that's relevant, you know. Practical shit. Yeah, exactly. Practical. This is what you could do. I think JDAM ferments. Or, or would be an awesome thing to implement. Um, those are some of the things I did a little bit of work in uh, the West Indies and St. Kitts and Nevis and a real similar situation where we went way back into the bush and to some of these ganja grows and these guys have just been cultivating this way for generations and they didn't even understand, they understood after we explained it to them, but they didn't even know about cloning or, or propagation or any of that. And they were just like, what? They were just completely blown away and then we was able to introduce simple fermentation techniques like the JDAM ferments um, that don't require the brown sugar that that are that are at least going to be better and and it's a, just a simpler process not that they don't have they didn't have the ability to comprehend you know the osmotic pressure and all that stuff you know 
It's just that the, the ability to pack 50 pounds of, of uh, brown sugar deep up into the bush, you know, whereas all, if they got water, you got all this green material, start fermenting, guys. Like, just pick shit. Ferment it, use it. What doesn't work, remember it. What does, remember it. I think we could do the same type of thing in Zimbabwe or any of these other places where resources might be limited, cash might be limited. Um, you know, it's a good way to capture those resources that they have right there locally um, and, and, and use them to their advantage, for sure. Absolutely. Just, just showing them the whole concept that there's all of these resources that are just right around them that they didn't see as resources before really is, is life-changing. I know it sure as hell was life-changing for me as a cannabis grower, yeah. uh, but for people that need this to live, this is you know a whole other level of life-changing. So it's super stoked to be able to, to, to help them on, on multiple levels and give them good paying jobs. You know, uh, yeah. we're, we're paying quite a bit above the normal wage uh, for our growers. And, um, you know, I'm happy to do that, you know, still cheaper than the U.S. either way. But, um, you know, it definitely gives people they live up, you know, they without without giving away the exact amounts, they're, they're living you know, definitely on the upper end of, of the, the income level for the country, I'll put it that way. Uh, absolutely. We, we run into the same type of thing in, in Suriname where, you know, the, the cost of living is so much lower. And so, and a lot of times things can be misconstrued. So like, if you find, if you tell somebody that you're paying somebody, you know, 10 bucks an hour or something, and they're like, oh, that's terrible. But, but the average, you know, the middle-class wage is 250 an hour. <laughs> and and all they need to live is 700 bucks a month then then you know it, you have to put things in perspective people like to to think of things in the united states terms but they don't realize that places like costa rica the the uh middle class income is like 800 bucks a month and that's middle class so somebody making 800 bucks a month here will be poor as shit but in costa rica they're 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 well they're great 800 bucks a month they're living you know, so a lot of times people don't have that worldly experience to, to kind of uh, to pull from. So they don't they don't understand that even the, we as as cultivator or people putting setting up businesses, you know, we have the ability to, to, to pay people four times and five times what their what their normal wages there and still it be economically feasible for us. And to me, that's a win win. I don't feel like we're taking advantage or anything, anything. It's a, it's it's a 100% benefit all around. Absolutely. Especially in a place like Zimbabwe that is inflation and, you know, instability with the value of their dollar. We can offer stability because every, all of our money is coming from internationals. None of it's coming from, from local invest. Well, not none of it, but very little of it's coming from local investment. So that, you know, you don't have to deal with any kind of, of uh, as far as the employees go, they don't have that uncertainty of, Oh, well, what if this happens? Will I lose my job? Is the value of what I'm getting paid going to change? No, it doesn't. Not with us. So cool. it really offers them the stability that they simply do not have with working with local companies. Uh, right. you know, it's a great way. Again, I love to say this greed for good, right? Let's take yeah, the greed right. from the cannabis industry and funnel it into good energy. Yeah, so. you got it, man. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap the show up here before too long. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to to join us and um, I wanted to try and do a quick show. I know we're kind of off schedule from the Tuesdays and Thursdays that we normally do the show, but uh, I've had kind of a whack ass schedule and we tried to do a show on Thursday, but I was having um, the upload here at the other hotel where I was at was, was really bad. 
Um, so I was uh, ultra choppy. So we, we decided not to do the show. So I do apologize, but we will try to get back onto some kind of schedule here. Uh, certainly after two weeks, once I get into my permanent residence, um, we'll, we'll be all set. So and we'll have a nice guest room, guest room all set up for you too. Out awesome. the house. So, we'll have to do a yeah. joint show when I get there. Hell yeah. Joint <laughs> show in multiple ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got it oh man i'm gonna bounce man thank you so much for having me on brother uh, tell people how to find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing um just check me out on instagram it's just my first and last name joshua Steensland, and uh same with youtube so those are those are the those are the best ways to reach me instagram you'll probably get the quickest response time so if you need to reach out and chat but if you just want to see what we're up to that's how you find me Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate you taking time to come on the show. No, thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Hell yeah. Cheers. And uh, you guys can find Marty at AP Meds, uh, AP Meds at um, Gmail, uh, AP Meds on YouTube, and AP Meds on Patreon. He does a bunch of really cool uh, private content over there. Um, And you can find me at Potent Products on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the different podcast apps. Again, I apologize for the weird schedule. Um, I just want to try and squeeze in an episode. I felt kind of bad that I kind of let the community down for taking such a long time off. I just had to deal with, you know, my mom passing and then just a bunch of travel, um, an ungodly amount of travel. So uh, finally getting my feet back on the ground. And I miss you guys. I really support. I just wanted to do uh, take two minutes and just say thank you so, so, so much. Um, I, I think I got condolences and, and, and a whole bunch of things from gosh, probably 60 or 70 different people from the podcast. Um, just thank you so much for your love and support. It really meant a lot, especially in a, in a moment that was very uh, trying in my life. And um, yeah, just, just thank you so much for your love and support. Um, I, I just can't say thank you enough. So thanks again for all of that and, uh, and really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back again. Uh, sorry for the short episode. I do have a couple of cool guests. We're working on getting um, Symbiosid from Switzerland. They're the current largest aquaponic cannabis producer in Europe. Uh, we have them lined up as a guest. We also have uh, a woman. Um, hold on. Let me make sure I get her name right. Candice. Trying to remember what her last name is. One second here. Candice. Candace Evans, um, who is working on an, uh, an aquaponic or kind of a beginner's guide aquaponic cannabis book. Um, we're going to have her on the show. Uh, and then we're also working on trying to get the guy from um, African Plant Hunter on the show as well. And then because I happen to be on this time zone, I think we should have a much easier time getting Jorge Cervantes on the show. Him and I have been playing tag on email for a very long time. Uh, so um, uh, I think we will. Uh, try to get him on the show as well. So, and we have a couple of other cool people. There's some guys down in Malawi and some South African guys I've been talking to about trying to get some more African growers on, especially with the industry blowing up over here. I think it'd be really cool to try and bring some more traditional growers on and uh, we'll work on getting that on. Um, so thanks a lot, everybody for supporting the show. Uh, once again, you can find us at Ponic, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Android podcast, um, all the different places. And uh, we'll be back again probably sometime this week. No promises. I'm going to do my best. I kind of have a wonky schedule the next two to three weeks, and then my house should be done, and I will be able to move into my my new spot out by the grow. So 
that will fix a lot of the technical issues that we're having now. I'll be able to set my desktop back up and actually run everything the way we normally used to do it. Thanks a lot, guys. Much love for all your love and support again. Uh, and we'll see you guys again here soon. Peace.